Hi all, welcome to this new episode of my podcast, A Digital Tomorrow. Today, I'm joined by Takeshi Kito. Takeshi works as the vice chair of the FinTech Association of Japan, and he's also a member of the regulatory sandbox of the government of Japan. So I'm very happy to host uh, Takeshi today. Welcome to my show, Takeshi. Thank you, Oliver. Thank you for having me today. And uh, hi, everyone. I'm Takeshi Kito. And I'm very happy to uh, talk with uh, Japanese FinTech ecosystem and introduce myself as well. Well, it's actually going to be very exciting for me to host you. Um, and not just because you are a great expert, which you are, but also because even though I've been covering many uh, Asian or non-Asian countries in my podcast, covering their fintech scenes and blockchain scenes, I couldn't yet cover Japan. And I'm very sorry about that because I'm very interested in Japan as well. So it's going to be great to let my listeners hear uh, about Japan from the first time uh, from you. So I think that uh, without further ado, I would like to start by asking you if you could please share a bit more about your personal journey, especially when it comes to why or how you decided to join this uh, this new thriving uh, fintech world. Sure. Um, actually, uh, as an undergrad and graduate school uh, at the University of Tokyo, I studied architecture, not a fintech, not a finance. But on the other hand, I worked at uh, some international investment banks and uh, private equity firms in Japan. And after uh, my graduation, I start, uh, started work for also consulting group as a uh, business consultant. And followed by uh, investment banking division, Mirinch in Japan. And during uh, five years in Mirinch, uh, I found there are so many issues uh, to be solved in terms of uh, efficiency or inclusiveness. So that's why I uh, decided to start my own bi uh, business and try to solve these problems. So that's a brief history. Oh, thank you very much for sharing uh, your personal uh, journey. And well, now I would like to discuss some more uh, general uh, topics uh, related to the fintech scene in Japan. Uh, well, we all know that Japan is one of the world's uh, most important economies. It's a G7 country. But now I would like to, to dig deeper on, on its uh, fintech uh, scene because, well, Japan's fintech scene may be a bit unknown to some of my listeners who are not from Asia. So it's going to be great to shed some light uh, to it. I think I'm going to start with a very general question. I would like to start by asking you, uh, like, what do you think about Japan's fintech scene? Like, for example, what are its uh, strengths and opportunities? Okay, um, Japan's fintech scene was uh, started uh, 2014, so it's uh, more than seven years ago. And uh, Japanese uh, fintech is actually um, domestic to be honest. So it's uh, better or uh, to better or to worse, uh, it's uh, sometimes protected in terms of uh, regulations or cultures or market practices. However, uh, sometimes it's uh, uh, the problem, it has some problems to, for international companies to come, who want to come to Japan and also for Japanese fintech companies or financial institutions who want to go international. 
So the market is really unique, but it's, uh, yeah, uh, has some opportunities, but also has some problems. And I mean, we all know that Japan is a very big country. You know, it has over 120 million uh, inhabitants. I mean, it encompasses like many islands, you no, know, from the north to the south. I mean, Hokkaido, Honshu, Kyushu, Okinawa. I mean, it's a very big country, but yeah. well, I mean, uh, it's a very like densely populated one, but but big nonetheless. You no, know? so we all know that. But at the same time, there is no doubt that um, well, Tokyo plays a huge role in Japan. Uh, not just because it, it is its capital and biggest city, but also when it comes to Japan's economy and also to Japan's uh, fintech uh, scene. So I wanted to ask you, like, what role does Tokyo play exactly in Japan's uh, fintech scene? And given that Tokyo is one of the world's most important financial centers, uh, what's Tokyo doing better than other financial centers in, well, in Asia and across the globe? Yeah, actually, Tokyo is the uh, heart of Japanese fintech scene, the financial scene as well. And uh, the market itself is uh, growing. And uh, Tokyo has uh, still has huge population. So yes, Tokyo is uh, the core of the ecosystem. But uh, we have some other international uh, financial cities or fintech cities such as Osaka and Fukuoka. And the government's uh, trying to diversify the ecosystem and industry. So actually, uh, uh, as a fintech association, we are trying to um, support all of these cities, so Tokyo, Osaka, and Fukuoka, to be international financial hubs and fintech hubs. Thank you very much for sharing uh, this. And one of the, I mean, fintech has many different areas now, but one of the fintech areas which has been uh, thriving more these last few years uh, has been that of digital banking. Uh, digital banking is uh, undoubtedly expanding globally, and the Asia-Pacific region in general has emerged as a hotspot for, for digital banks. When it comes to Japan, well, Japan actually has a unique uh, landscape regarding uh, internet-only banks, uh, to the point that, um, if I'm not mistaken, the, the first internet-only bank in Japan, the Japan Net Bank, was launched uh, as early as in 1995, no? I mean, much much earlier than, than this kind of banks in any or in most places of the world. So given that, I mean, keeping that in mind and keeping in mind that uh, we are now seeing this second generation of uh, digital banks in Japan, like Mina Bank, Line Bank, uh, could you please share with uh, my listeners uh, a bit more about the, the Japan virtual or digital banking scene? Uh, like, what does it look like? Uh, and why did Japan start to have those uh, digital banks uh, much before other countries did. Right. So yeah, let me introduce the history and the background of uh, internet-only banks. So in early 90s, uh, we faced so huge economic and uh, financial crisis and collapse. And uh, in mid 90s, some financial institutions and banks were bankrupted. So after that, the government and the industry is trying to change the situation and trying to um, deregulate the banking and the financial regulations. 
So that's, this is a, a reason why uh, some new kind of uh, finance institutions were established. So internet-only banks and internet-only broker dealers were uh, established under this situation. That's that is the first generation of uh, uh, internet or digital banking. But actually, uh, that kind of internet only banks or financial institutions uh, um, do not have a kind of a interoperability or a composability, which, which is uh, which um, second generation fintech companies or challenger banks have. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is a situation, and uh, actually, uh, these first generation financial institutions were established under regular banking regulatory frameworks or um, regular um, financial instru instrument acts. So there is no digital banking uh, regulatory frameworks in Japan. That's actually something very interesting what you just mentioned and something that makes Japan quite unique. No, this idea that in Japan you do not have like uh, specific digital banking licenses. And I say it's very interesting because if you compare it, for example, with other places in Asia like Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, where they are creating or they created long ago those uh, specific digital banking licenses. Well, you see that in Japan you adopted this um, different approach, which is it's interesting to see these differences. Mm. Yeah, we don't have a, a specific digital banking license. That's that's something very very interesting to know, and I'm sure my listeners will will find it uh, interesting as well. And well, um, one of the ways through which innovation is promoted is uh, through uh, sandboxes. Uh, I know that in many countries they initially use sandboxes to test whether. Uh, their uh, digital banks or, or the digital banking scene would be successful or not. I mean, uh, new technologies are tested in, in sandboxes as well. And when I introduced you before, I said that you are a vice chair of the FinTech Association of Japan. But I also said that you are a committee member of the uh, government of Japan's uh, regulatory sandbox. So I wanted to ask you a bit more about this sandbox. Like, first of all, do you think that sandboxes are a good solution to promote innovation? And secondly, could you please uh, let my listeners know a bit more about uh, any like specific initiative uh, in which this sandbox is uh, currently working on or has worked on uh, these last few years? Okay, so yeah, Japanese sandbox is uh, uh, taking quite important role in the Japanese society and uh, governance system as well. And uh, unlike other countries or other sandboxes in the fintech scene, such as uh, uh, Hong Kong, Singapore, and UK, uh, Japanese uh, governance system is uh, based on civil law. So that means uh, regulations or governance comes first and followed by you know, innovation and new businesses. That means uh, uh, fintech companies or startups uh, have to know about the, what regulation is. So sometimes uh, this works, but uh, from the standpoint of uh, innovation or uh, adapting new technologies, there are so many uh, problems because uh, many things are happening in the, let's say, 
frontier, and there's no regulations, there's no rule. So Japanese is actually uh, behind in the innovation field and the technology field. So to change this situation, the government established a sandbox in Japan. Mm -hmm. And another unique point of Japanese sandbox is it's, uh, it's not designed only for the financial industry. It's for all industries. So we have some projects in healthcare and mobility because uh, innovation for technology adoption is not only for the financial industry. And there will be some crossover. So that's why the government, Japanese government established sandbox under the cabinet office. Thank you for sharing. And I, I very much agree with this idea that you just uh, mentioned that uh, technological innovation doesn't need only to be applied to the financial sector. It's of course very important to, to innovate in finance, but it's um, well, not less important to innovate in, as you said, uh, healthcare, mobility and many other industries. So it's really good to see that your sandbox doesn't only focus on finance, which is important, but, but in more industries. And, well, as you know, there is one area uh, about which I've done extensive uh, research, that is central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. And I know that the Bank of Japan started last uh, year to test its digital yen, uh, even though, um, well, um, the Bank of Japan admitted that it currently has no plan to issue this uh, CBDC. And they started those tests uh, from the viewpoint of ensuring uh, the stability and efficiency of the overall uh, payment and settlement sy systems in case, uh, well, in case there is a change of circumstances, you know, in case that people uh, cease to use central bank money to the extent that they are doing so today. You know? So uh, my point is that we don't know whether the digital yen will ever be launched or not. Uh, that being said, if ever launched eventually someday, some, some year, what advantages do you think that the digital yen uh, will have for, for Japan? or for the Japanese citizens. And related to that, uh, do you think that Japanese people are largely used to making electronic payments or do they use cash much more often than in other Asian countries? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and actually the uh, Japanese Central Bank uh, mentioned that uh, uh, CBDC is quite important for, for the Japanese economy, of course. And uh, one of the biggest advantage of it, it's a universal, universal access to the digital uh, currency or digital financing system. Yeah, they mentioned that. So, so that's why currently they are focusing on uh, retail CBDC. And uh, last year they started a proof of concept. It was a phase one. And the phase two uh, will be started this year. And after that, they are planning to uh, do some um, prototyping or more, uh, let's see, uh, have more uh, experiments in the market. So this is a situation, uh, CBDC situation in Japan. And uh, actually, uh, in terms of uh, digital payments, uh, Japan is uh, behind it. And the cashless payment ratio in Japan is still 30%. So many people are still using uh, payment in cash. So in this 
context, uh, we have to uh, provide more uh, frictionless payment solutions, and that includes uh, CBDC as well, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, thank you for, for sharing. And now that we discussed um, well, payments, and then of course, um, now that we're talking about fintech, there is one area as well which is thriving uh, worldwide and, and also in Japan, and that area is that of uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, well, in Japan, the, the crypto space is uh, quite or even very advanced, given, I would say, this early legislative clarity and a proactive regulator uh, being, well, may, or allowing, you know, to Jap Japan to have become like one of the maybe most crypto-friendly um, countries in, in Asia, I would say. So um, can you please uh, explain to my listeners um, what does the crypto industry, the crypto scene in Japan looks like? Yeah, uh, crypto scene or crypto industry in Japan is uh, still huge in the Japanese ecosystem. And yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Japanese regulator, JFSA is uh, very proactive to uh, do some innovation activities in the crypto space. So, uh, so first, yeah, firstly, they established uh, crypto regulation, crypto exchanges regulations, and they provide some transparency in regulation for regulatory frameworks. And also uh, recently they established that uh, multi-stakeholder uh, network to discuss uh, governance system in the crypto industry. So these uh, activities are very, I think, um, proactive and uh, yeah, the Japanese data is doing well, I think. But on the other hand, there are some problems in the uh, industry as well. So re regulation itself is a bit strict. And also we have some issues in the taxation. And as I mentioned, Japanese ecosystem is uh, domestic, but crypto industry is very international. So we have to have more collaborations with uh, international ecosystem and uh, international companies and ethnic leaders. Well, thank you for, for sharing. Uh, yes, I think that some of these issues are global. I mean, we discussed before that, um, before starting to record, know that uh, taxation or maybe the lack of clarity when it comes to taxation is actually a global issue when it comes to cryptocurrencies and even on those in those countries where there is an actual clarity when you look at how cryptos are treated from a tax perspective well you see that um, maybe their treatment is not as fair as other assets we could say so of course i mean taxation when it comes to cryptos is going to be an issue for a while in, in most countries and i wanted to ask you as well like um, i mean you painted a great image of what the crypto industry in Japan looks like nowadays, but how do you foresee the future of the crypto industry in Japan? Do you think it's going to be bright or do you foresee like uh, problems? Yes, and actually uh, recently, uh, younger generations coming into the crypto industry in Japan. And these generations more international and uh, more familiar with uh, technology as well. So, um, so I have a uh, positive image on the Japanese future crypto industry. And well, I also read that uh, crypto exchanges in Japan are trying to simplify the process for approving new uh, cryptocurrency listings uh, in an aim to boost um, 
the number of cryptos tra traded in the country, traded in Japan. Uh, why? I mean, was this process maybe before not simple enough, or, or why is that? Yeah, uh, it takes a bit long time to be listed on the crypto exchanges in Japan. It's uh, more than half a year. And the number of listed crypto assets and currencies are still limited in Japan. So this is the reason why uh, some crypto exchanges trying to uh, simplify the process. And yeah, and also trying to uh, change the ecosystem or practices as well. No, actually, I noticed this a while ago, because if you check, for example, the top uh, 30 or 50 crypto exchanges in the world, uh, you will see that those from outside Japan, they normally uh, have like many coins listed, whereas those in Japan that have very big trading volumes and, and make it to this top 30 or top 50 list, when you check what coins they, they have listed and they offer to trade, you will see that uh, in most cases they only offer like a few, no? five, six, ten coins, much less than the others, even though when it comes to the trading volume, I mean, the, the total volume is actually as, as big as, as any of the, the ones which make the top third, you know, but they offer less coins. So I guess it may, it may be because of this, you know, because of uh, being a bit more difficult in Japan to get uh, your cryptos listed in the exchanges. Yeah, it's due to the bit of strict regulation. Mm -hmm. I see. And well, also about cryptos, um, well, I know that the major Japanese crypto exchange, uh, Bitbank, uh, conducted an online survey uh, diving into the NFT uh, investment trend in the Japanese cryptocurrency market. In this survey was done last uh, year in March, so the outcome, the results may be a bit different, but I guess the general idea re still remains there. As per this survey, at least one of each four crypto holders in Japan also have an experience with holding NFTs, non-fungible tokens, so, which is quite a lot. So I wanted to ask you, like, what does the NFT industry look like in Japan? Right. Uh, yeah, similar to other countries, uh, NFT is booming in Japan. Um, because, uh, yeah, as you may know, already know, uh, fungible token is basically regulated. Non-fungible or not, so many uh, non-financial companies uh, coming to the industry and uh, launching new platforms and new uh, projects and uh, new tokens. So yeah, this is the situation in Japan, and uh, um, people, consumers also uh, getting know more about the non-fungible tokens. So the market is uh, actually started now. Mm -hmm. And, well, I mean, what about the, the metaverse, no? Because if we said that cryptos are quite uh, used in Japan, as well as NFTs, I guess there must be an interest for, for the metaverse in Japan. Yeah, metaverse is also booming in Japan. And uh, many companies are establishing a metaverse association. And, uh, yes, and many companies trying to, to lead the industry. In Japan. So this is uh, quite on the early stage, but yeah, this is the situation. Mm -hmm. 
And well, before uh, wrapping our conversation up, I just wanted to ask you like whether there is any uh, final thoughts or ideas that you would like to share with my listeners before we wrap this up. Anything in particular that you think you need to, to say before, uh, before finishing this episode? Yeah, uh, so again, the Japanese ecosystem is a bit unique and domestic and the information on Japanese fintech scene is limited. So um, I'm very happy to uh, provide more information to the international ecosystem. And uh, if you and if you have any questions or you want to collaborate with Japanese companies and uh, fintech leaders, please yeah, let me know. And I'm happy to do that. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Takeshi, for, for your time today. I mean, this puts an end to our conversation. It's been great. It's been amazing to hear from you uh, regarding your personal journey and regarding uh, fintech in Japan. I mean, as you said, uh, Japan's fintech scene is quite uh, well, unique, different from that in, in other countries. No, I mean, as you said, maybe it's more domestic than others and not so much international. Um, and you have a very interesting and unique uh, digital banking uh, system. Uh, cryptos are quite um, well, widespread in Japan as well. So, I mean, overall, it's a very interesting market. It's a very interesting uh, country as well. So it's been uh, great to hear from you. I'm sure that my listeners will have learned a lot uh, from you as well uh, after listening to, to you. And, and well, I wish you all the luck no, in promoting and, and, and trying to even enhance uh, Japan's fintech scene. Thank you very much and uh, keep collaborating. Ah, thank you very much for coming to my show. And well, to all my listeners, uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode. And please stay tuned for the next ones. See you soon. Yeah.